0: Hey this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to start a three-part series on how to stop failing and live a blessed life. Whether we want to admit it or not we all have areas of our life where we fail and we fail consistently. It could be a habit It could be uh, the way we react in certain situations. It could be a regret of the past, but we fail consistently and we need God's help to stop failing in those areas. The good news is God wants you to stop failing and he wants you to start living a blessed life in that very area of failure. We're going to cover several steps and ways that we can stop failing from Uh, today from uh, Joshua chapter 1. One of my favorites that you're going to hear today about is the only way we can be successful in life is in that area that we've been called by God to. In other words, only where we have divine destiny can we be successful and stop failing. And so one of the things that we need to learn to do is stop dabbling in areas that God hasn't assigned us to, And focus in exclusively where he's called us to, where we find our divine destiny to. So listen in and be blessed. I'm excited for you to listen to this today. To see how you can stop failing and live a blessed life. All right, let's look at the first verse. Joshua, God is talking to Joshua. And the first thing that he says is, After the death of, jo- of Moses, the, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of the Moses, to I want you to listen to me carefully here. In order for you to stop failing and start living a blessed life, you've got to hear from God. Do you hear me? In order for you to live a strong, courageous life, you have got... To hear from God. How do you hear from God? Well, first of all, you need to hear from God every day. You've got to hear from God every single day of your life. The Word of God is going to give you faith. If you feel weak in your faith in God, you need to hear a word from God today. And that's why you're sitting here, I assume. You're sitting here because you need to hear from God. When you have faith in God because you've heard from God, you have power like never before. You have strength. And God wants you to live an empowered life. An empowered life. So I want to tell you today that there's three steps to hearing from God. There's three steps to hearing from God, and here's the first one. First of all, you and I, we've got to get serious about God. See, we'll sit off all the time. We'll sit back and say, I never hear from God. I, I guess he's not talking. I guess he doesn't care about me. I guess he's not worried about me. I never hear from God. Let me ask you, are you getting serious with God to be able to hear from him? If you're just waiting and not doing anything, you're not going to hear from God. You have got to get serious with God. Now, what what does it sound like to get serious with God? Well, I got serious with God this week. And you know what I did? I set my alarm. I had to to do something at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know what time I set my alarm to get up the morning Thursday and Friday morning? I set my alarm for 4 o'clock in the morning. You know why? Because I'm getting serious with God. I'm getting serious with God. When are you going to get serious with God? You've got to get some determination. You've got to get some some seriousness in your life. If you're going to hear from God, you've got to get serious with God. And you say, Steve, what on earth did you do at 4 o'clock in the morning? Well... I put on my shorts, my t-shirt. I put on my running shoes. And I got out at the crack of dawn. Shoot, it wasn't even, there was no sun for another hour and 15 minutes. And I walked and I prayed to God. I listened to God. I got serious with God. When are you going to get serious with God? If you want to hear from him, you got to put in some effort. It's not going to happen by itself. you got to get serious with God. After walking and praying for about an hour and a half, and I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just giving you an example of what it means to get serious with God, I got my Bible out. And I said, I'm going to read the Bible for a little over an hour before my first appointment at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I read my Bible, and you know what? I was strengthened. You know why? Because I heard from God. If you want to hear from God, you got to get serious from God. And that was the first thing that happened to Joshua. He heard from God. And it helped him to stop failing. It helped him to start living a blessed life. There's there's three steps to hearing from God. And I've just told you the first one: you got to get serious. You got to get serious with God. It says in Psalms 27 8, it says, My heart says of you, I will seek your face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I'm telling you, Christians. I'm telling you, disciples. I'm telling you, those that are just listening in and you haven't made a commitment to the Lord. I'll tell you, all three of you, you got to seek God's face. You got to seek God's face. You got to get serious with God. Here's a second step to getting serious with God: you got to study your Bible. I didn't just say read your Bible. That's what I encourage you to do all the time, but you got to study the Word of God. I hear so many people, hey, Steve, I can't retain anything anymore. Well, I can't either. I can't remember what I did 30 seconds ago. But that's not going to stop me from reading my Bible. That's not going to stop me from studying the Word of God. It's all right if I don't retain it. At least I kept it there for those minutes that I was reading it. And the fact of the matter is is if you study the Bible, you will retain it. You will keep it. Can I tell you something? Stop making excuses and start doing what you're supposed to do if you want to stop failing in life. If you want to live a blessed life, get serious with God, study the Bible. I love it in Lamentations 3, 22, verses 22 through 23. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Listen to this. They are new every morning. Every morning you get up to study the Word of God It's going to be new for you. It's going to be fresh for you. It's going to inspire you. It's going to get you going. It's going to turn you on for the day. Great is your faithfulness. Here's the third step to hearing from God. Hearing from God, and it's this. It's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit is always communicating with you in some form or fashion? The Holy Spirit is always talking. Don't you think for a second that God is silent because He is not. He's constantly communicating with you. The problem is is that you and me, we're not listening to the Holy Spirit We're constantly listening to our distractions, to our fears, to our worries, to our what-if scenarios. God says, shut those things up and start listening to me. Start listening to me. Three steps to listening, to hearing God's voice. You and me, we've got to hear God's voice if we're going to start being strong and standing on these two feet of ours and stop falling every time we get tempted or Worried or whatever, but look at this in John 14 26. This is the active work of the Holy Spirit Referring to the Holy Spirit as our helper Whom God has sent in Jesus' name what to teach you To remind you of everything that Jesus has told us already. That's what the Holy Spirit does We've got to hear from God guys We've got to be stronger. You know, can I tell you something? We've got to learn to cope with life. You know, we, here in America, we really don't suffer that much. And you say, Steve, you don't know what I'm going through. We really don't. Compared to other countries where mothers lose, lose at least half their children at infancy or before infancy, and where people don't have enough food, they don't have enough water, you think you suffer? No, you don't compared to other parts of the world, the majority of the rest of the world. All right? We've got to hear from God and stop living this this life where we can't cope with our problems. Our problems pale in comparison to what other people go through. Pale. God wants you to be able to cope with your problems, to bear up under them until the day that you are delivered from them because God wants to deliver you from your problems. But He wants you to be able to cope with them. Can I meddle a little bit as well? When you're struggling... The last thing that you want to do is not come to church. (laughs) When you're having a hard time, the first thing you need to do is come to church. Because it's going to help you. It's going to strengthen you. But we do the exact opposite. We wake up on the wrong side of bed. We have a little conflict with somebody. And guess what? We don't come to church. That's crazy. (laughs) That's absolutely crazy. The church is not a beauty contest. This is a hospital. This is a place where you can get well. This is a place where you can be strengthened. You and I, we need each other. We need the assembling of the congregating of believers together. Joshua heard from God, and that man became stronger because of it. How often do you need to hear from God? I say daily. But let's read on. We're in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 now. Here's the second thing that happened here in this, this sequence. Moses' servant, Moses my servant, God is talking to Joshua, he says he's dead. Your leader, your mentor, the guy that's, that's led you for 40 years, he's dead, he's gone. Now you, and, he, and God is pointing at you right now. Now you, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into a land I'm about to give them. To all the Israelites. And here God is telling Joshua, this is your destiny. This is your calling. This is what you were born to do. All right. And here's a second point that I'd like to make to you. In order to stop failing, you got to realize the only thing in life you'll ever be successful at is what God has called you to do. What he's destined for you to do. You go off and dabble in this or dabble in that or try this thing out. You won't be successful as a Christian. Why? Because the only thing you're going to be successful at in life is what God has called you to do. That's the only thing. It's what you were born to do. It's what God has called you to do. So what do we need to do? Well, you say, I don't know. I don't know what God's called me to do. I have no idea what my destiny is. I'm lost as a goose. Well, what do you do? You start seeking God until you find out what he's called you to do. You say, I'm too old. Life has passed me by. If you have breath in your lungs, you can still discover the calling of God in your life. If you're young, don't waste a minute more in trying to discover what God has destined for your life to do. And prepare yourself for your unique calling. Prepare yourself. And let me tell you what else. Stop comparing yourself to anybody else. God's unique calling, he's made you one in 33 million. I just picked that number out of the hat. You're one. You're the only one like you. There's nobody else like you. Why would you try to be like somebody else? Be who God has called you and created you to be. Our society tries to make us cookie-cutter models, and you're a nurse, and you're an entrepreneur, and you're a teacher. Only God can make you into that unique creation and mold and make you how God wants you to be. So stop trying to be someone else. You'll only be successful in your own divine destiny. Look in Ephesians 2.10. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says, For we are God's workmanship. What is that like? We're a masterwork. We're a work of art. You look in the the mirror and you say, Man, I'm a work of art. God has made me special. He created us in Christ, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used of God. Praise God. What? For good works. God has good works for you to do. In other words, enjoyable, fulfilling works. When you work for God, you will love every minute of it. Because they are good works, they're enjoyable, they're satisfying. Which God has prepared for us in in advance or beforehand. In other words, it was your destiny to do this very wonderful work that you're doing right now. That God has called you to And so uh, we live this good life that he's prearranged for us and made ready for us. Man, Ephesians 2.10, that is rich. Your unique calling always has to do, by the way, with serving other people. Your giftings, your callings, it's not for you. That person who uses their beautiful voice and their ability to, to perform and entertain, and they do it for themselves, what a tragedy. Every gift that God has given you is for you to turn around and serve somebody else. And that's where the joy is. That's where the fun is, is helping others, is serving others. I can't stress that enough. So you're going to stop failing when you discover God's purpose for your life and you start pursuing that with all your heart, to serve somebody in a very unique and wonderful way. Let's read verse 3. I will give you, Joshua, every place you set your foot as just as I promised Moses. Your territory is going to extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates to the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. Let me tell you what, you're going to miss out in life. You're going to miss out if you don't know what God has promised you. God promised Moses and Joshua, I'm going to give you this land. And you know what? They believed God so much that they pursued it. God is promising your family to you. God is promising your marriage to you. God is promising your health to you. God is promising you some level of success and prosperity in your life. He's promising it to you. If you don't go after it, though, it's never going to happen by itself. God promises these things. If you want to stop failing in life, get a promise from God. Hold on to it until it's fulfilled. God isn't somebody who just promises and then doesn't do it. He's promised you your grandchildren. He's promised you your children. Hold on to God's promises and don't let go of them. How can you hold on to a promise, though, if you don't know it? You've got to know God's rich, abundant promises, and you've got to know it. I don't have a Bible up here, so I'm going to shake my phone at you because my Bible's on my phone. You've got to know your promises. You've got to read the Word of God. How are you going to, how are you going to be, be able to prosper if you don't know what God has promised? Come on, get a grip. Read the Bible. Get the promises of God. Write them down. Rehearse them in your mind. Think about them and believe them, and pursue the promises of God. When God promises something, you need to start praying for it. God promised me something recently as I was in prayer. The Holy Spirit whispered a promise into my thoughts, and I patiently waited one week, and I patiently waited two weeks, three weeks, and finally I started getting frustrated. God, you promised that you were going to do this. And then he told me, well, what are you doing to pursue my promise? Don't just wait there. Get down and start praying. Get get down and start seeking God's face until that promise is fulfilled in your life. Seek God for his promises that they might be fulfilled in your life. Don't be a victim. Don't sit around and expect things just to happen. Since when in this world has anything happened when you just sat around? Does your lawn get mowed by sitting around? Do the bills get paid by you sitting around? Does a marriage thrive by you sitting around? Does a child grow up and and get confidence by you sitting around as a parent? You've got to get active, not only in your physical things, but in your spiritual things as well. If God has promised you something, which he has, seek God until that promise is fulfilled Believe God until it's fulfilled. There's this person in my life uh, who wasn't a believer. And I remember standing and thinking, "I just I, God had promised me this person is going to get saved. Their life is going to get turned around. And when they get turned around, they're going to be a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. And so I, after years, I was like, I don't see anything happen in this person's life. I don't know, God. Do you want me to keep believing? I felt the Holy Spirit come back with strong convictions. Don't you ever stop believing for this person until my promise is fulfilled in their life. Some things take years. That's okay. We believe God and we hold fast to His promises. If we're going to stop failing, we've got to believe God's promises. We've got to first know His promises, though. Look at this picture that I throw up here. God's word leads to His works. God never promises anything without fulfilling it. Never. He's not a God who breaks his word. But look at this. How can you soar with wings as eagles? Two things. Hearing from God and seeing God act as a result of what you heard from him. His word and his works are what gives us elevation in our spiritual lives. Do you want to be down in the dumps and in depression all your life? Do you want to be down in the dumps and sickness all your life? Do you want to be down in the dumps from the past abuse that you've suffered in your life? No. Get up and let his word and his work start elevating you. And get out of the mud, out of the muck, out of the pit as David talked about in the Psalms. Get out of your pit and start soaring with wings as eagles with God's word and his works. You've got to listen to God. You've got to study the Bible to get his promises. In Psalms 33 verses 4 through 9. I'm just a sampling of these verses here. But it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. Right and true. He is faithful in all he does. In other words, he says it and he fulfills it. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens what were made. He spoke it, and it happened. If he's given you a promise, he's going to keep it. The starry horse, <laughs> horse, the starry host by the breath of his mouth, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. You see, God speaks, and then he works. He never speaks without working. He always does both things. But look at this: the word of God. Is right and true. His word is right. It's not wrong. It's right. He isn't going to steer you towards disaster. He's going to steer you towards success. His word is right. Furthermore, it's true. God doesn't lie, God tells the truth. Satan is the father of all lies, so every time you hear a lie from him that you're going to die, that you're going to suffer, that you're going to get a divorce, that bad things are going to happen in your life, he's lying to you. It's not going to happen that way if you'll trust in God. He's a liar. God isn't. God's word is right, and it's true. Never forget, there's was a several, several years ago, I, f- I felt like, man, my job is on shaky ground. I'm going to lose my job. And the Lord made me a promise He says, no, you're not going to lose your job. Stop looking for other jobs and stay put where you're at. You know, that took a lot of faith because it looked like I was going to lose my job. But God said, no, stay where you're at. His word was true. I didn't lose my job and I made the right decision in staying where I was at. God's word is right and God's word is true. We need to hold fast to it. But you need and I need to know God's promises. Let me share with you some promises from his word. If you will read your Bible, you'll find all kinds of promises that God gives you. Philippians 4.19 says, The same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? God's going to supply all your needs. Do you have any worries about him supplying your needs? Do you have any cares, any concerns that God might not take care of you? That the money is going to run out? That you're not going to have enough food to take care of your family? God will supply all your needs. That's a promise. You need to take hold of that promise so that it will shut up the worries and the cares. Matthew 7-7 gives us three promises all in one small verse. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Know God's promises, claim God's promises, and believe God's promises. Romans 8 28, it says, I know that God causes everything to work together for those, for the good of those who are called according to God's purposes. He's going to make all. That bad thing that you're worried about right now, he's going to make it and turn it into good for you. That's a promise of God. 1 John 1.9, just one last example of a good promise. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now that's a promise. Do you have some guilt and regret in your life? God says he's going to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you feel dirty? Because of something that you've done or something that's been done to you, God wants to cleanse your conscience, forgive you, and make you feel clean. That's a good promise from God, isn't it? That's a good promise for a child who may have suffered some kind of physical, verbal, or sexual abuse. Praise God. God forgives and cleanses from all sin. Isn't that wonderful? What a promise from God. Hold on to the promises of God and you'll stop failing. Look, you're tripping over that regret. You're tripping over that sin. You're tripping over that memory. God cleanses you and takes that out of the way so you stop tripping over it anymore. Isn't that wonderful? The promises of God. Praise God. Well, verse 5 of Joshua 1. It says, God says to Joshua, No one will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Now some of you, even this week, have felt like God has forsaken you. He's left you. You don't feel His presence, you don't think He's there. But the fact of the matter is He is with you. And there is nothing better than God's nearness in your life. Nothing in this life is better than feeling God close to you. So close to you that you can talk to him. So close to you that you feel embraced by his presence, like you would a nice warm blanket when you turn up the air conditioner. I would say when it's cold, but we're in El Paso. It's the heat of summers. You have to turn up the air conditioner, put a nice warm blanket around you. That's how God's nearness feels, and infinitely better than that. When he's around you, you feel peace, you feel joy, you feel confidence, you feel love. You stop failing because you know God is with you. You live a blessed life because you know God is with you. I can't tell you how many times over the last 10 months that I've been kind of going through my deal that I won't go through again. As I go through this time of of testing and trial and worry and concern, I keep being reminded over and over again in the mornings, at nights, throughout the day, in the middle of the night, I'm with you, Steve. I'm with you, Steve. And he's telling you the same thing. I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. You're not facing this alone. I'm with you. The God of the universe, the most influential personality of the entire universe is with you. He's with you. Nothing is better than God's nearness. In Jude 24, we read, in Jude 24, is just one chapter, so this is just the verse of that one chapter. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. To him who is able to keep you from failing anymore. You don't have to fail anymore. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault. There it is. How do you stop failing? Get into God's presence. Be ushered into his presence. The fact of the matter is he's with you all the time. You just need to become aware of it. You and me, we need to practice God's presence. Practice thinking about the fact that as you're driving, He's with you. As you're working, He's with you. As you're sleeping, He's with you. As you wake up in the morning, He is with you. What incredible benefits are there of being in God's presence? Now, God's presence is every, everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But you know who he's physically and, and, and in a sense that you can feel him? You know who he's most with? His children. You. His children. If you're a child of God, if you've opened your heart up to the Lord, and you, you've experienced the cleansing of God's wonderful forgiveness in your life, and you're striving to be a disciple of Jesus, he is with you in ways that he's not with anybody else. He's with you. Don't you doubt it for a second. There's huge benefits that come from the presence of God in your life so that you can start living a blessed life instead of a failing life. 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's one benefit. Where God's presence is, how many times has he freed you from your struggling thoughts? How many times? How many times has He freed you from oppressive feelings and given you a sense of peace? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There is freedom. That's one benefit. Let me read you another benefit of being in the presence of God. Psalm 16, 11, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. If you're not joyful, if you're not happy consider if you're sitting in the presence of God, if you're, if you're remaining in the presence of God. Because you as a Christian can get out of Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus is like a canopy. His presence is all around. And you as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, can step out of Jesus' presence. And you can lose your joy like that. You can lose your peace like that. Then you can say, you know what, that's it. I'm tired of being miserable. I'm going to step back into the presence of God and I'm going to get my joy back. Your joy is not contingent, it's not dependent on your circumstances. Did you know that? You could be laying sick in a hospital bed. You can be have lost your spouse. You can be by yourself lonely, and you can still have the joy of God in your life. Why? Because you're in his presence. His presence is better than life. His presence is better than anything else you could have in this life. Get into the presence of God. How do you do that? By thinking about Him. Just think about God. Think about how good He is. Think about what you read that morning in the Bible. Think about what you heard in church today. And get into God's glorious, wonderful, incredible presence presence of God that's even here right now in our midst I want to give him the credit and the glory and think God you're here right now Jesus you're here right now praise God his children recognize his presence if you're sitting here and saying Steve I don't feel squat I don't know what you're talking about You you need Jesus in your life you need Jesus in your life you need Jesus in your life You'll start feeling the presence of God when you open your heart to Jesus Christ. Look at another, another example, another benefit of God's presence. Psalm 73, 28. But it says, as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. But I love that. The nearness of God is my good. Nothing is better, nothing is more wonderful. Nothing tastes better, nothing experiences better, nothing, 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 nothing more than the presence of God, That nearness of God is my good. Exodus 33, 14, he says, my presence, he tells, God tells Moses, my presence will go before you and I will give you rest. I got that one this week and I was like, "Woo, man, I need some rest. I'm struggling inside. I'm, I'm stressed out inside. I need some rest. And I, I read this and I said, man, God's presence gives me rest. If you don't have rest, you've stepped somehow stepped out of God's presence. Get back in. Quick. Get back in. Get out, get out from under your worries and get back in to the presence of God. And you're going to find rest. Genesis twenty-eight sixteen. Jacob, look, look at this. This is funny. And it's a little... I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm pushing my interpretation of this verse a little bit, but it's cool. Listen, listen and tell me if you, don't, if you don't agree. But Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. <laughs> what does the presence of God do? He wakes you up from your spiritual sleep. And you say, Oh, my word, I didn't realize it. God is in this place. God is in this place. I'll never forget being a a stupid 16-year-old boy and not living for the Lord and just doing whatever I felt like doing, thinking whatever I felt like doing, saying whatever I felt like saying. And one day, laying there in my bed, I happened to turn on a Christian song, which is unusual for me at that time, a worship song, and the presence of the Lord immediately came over me, this little rebellious idiot child, And God just, his presence was there. I started crying. I started loving Jesus. And he had to get me several more times. But that was kind of the beginning of the end for me, you know, of turning my heart to the Lord. Give God a chance, would you? Give God a chance and his presence will rush to you. Maybe listen to a Christian song. Maybe that's what you need to do. Listen to some worship music. And the presence of God will rush to you, to cover you, to love you, to turn your life around, to start changing how you are and who you are. A couple more. Luke 1.19, the angel answered and said to him, And this was John the Baptist's father, if I'm not mistaken. He said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. What happens when you get into the presence of God? You finally start hearing good news. You're not going to hear it on CNN, on Fox. You're not going to hear it from your friend. You're not going to hear it from yourself. You're not going to hear it from your employer. You get into the presence of God, you're going to start hearing good news. Why? He's going to start promising you things that you want to hear. You're desperate for good, for good news. Good promises from God. You get into the, the presence of God, you're going to hear good news from heaven. Good news from heaven. Acts 3.19. This is the last one. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped out in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, the presence of the Lord sends refreshment to you, refreshing. We get beat down, we get tired, we get exhausted by life. And God refreshes our souls, even in the midst of trying times. So, to sum it all up, the presence of God brings blessing into your life. The presence of God. Seek His presence. Get serious with God. Go after God hard. Stop making excuses and say, I'm going to study the Bible this week. I'm going to get up a little bit earlier this week. I might have to go to bed a little earlier to make that happen, but I am going to set my alarm and I'm going to get serious with God. Why? I'm tired of failing. I want a blessed life. I want the promises of God to become real to me i want god's word and his works to strengthen me well in verse six verse six of joshua one it says be strong god tells him the first time be strong and courageous because you will lead this people to inherit the land that i swore to their ancestors to give them be strong and very courageous Now, God's been telling me to be strong and courageous, and I'm like, how? How can I be? I don't feel strong. I don't feel courageous. I feel weak. I feel timid. But you know what? God's first step is to tell you what you're going to be before you feel it. He announces things to you before you see them, before you know them, before... He he came up to Gideon, who was hiding from the Midianite army. I won't go into the story. He said, you, mighty warrior. (laughs) See, he calls things which be not as though they were. He talks to you while he looks into your future, not into your present. So, he calls, he he, he tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. And here's, here's what I get from this. Before you worry about what to do, work on how to be. God had not told Joshua what to do quite yet. He hadn't given, given him any instructions. Do this, do that, do the other. But before he told him what to do, he told him how to be. He told him how to be, to be strong, to be courageous, that God was going to help him. So let's, let me give you some scenarios. Let's say you're unemployed. You don't have a job. God is telling you, before I tell you what to do, I want you to walk around like a confident, employed person. You get it? I want to tell you how to be before I tell you what to do. Our flesh cries out, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And God said, no, we're going to deny the flesh and I'm going to tell you how to be. I want you to be confident even though you don't have a human reason to be confident. Let's say that you need healing, you're sick, you're suffering, you're in pain. God is going to tell you to have faith in him before he shows you the steps that you need to take to get your health back. He's going to tell you how to be before he tells you, what to do God is spirit and he he operates differently than us fleshly human beings and he's calling us to rise up to a higher level with him and understand and see things the way that he sees them instead of the way that we see them as human beings Let's say that you want to find that person that you want to fall in love with and eventually get married to. God is telling you, you know what? Fall in in love with God first. How to be instead of what to do. Let's say you're worried because you have a grown child child that's not showing much initiative in life, and you're worried that they're they're not going to amount to anything. They're not going to contribute in society. God wants you to learn to rest in Him and trust Him for your child. So, in summary, (laughs) to stop failing, just for this morning, because there's a few more for next week, to stop failing and live a blessed life, you've got to hear from God. And I hope that today's message has inspired you and spurred you on to do what you've got to do to hear from God. You've got to hear from God. And you can't hear from him just one day. And you can't hear from him and then say, oh, I feel so relieved now. I'm going to let off the the accelerator. No, when you hear from God, you press the accelerator even more and say, i got to hear from God again tomorrow morning. And i got to hear from him on Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday. I've got to hear from God. Because only then are you going to stop failing. You've got to hear God's voice. Secondly, You'll only be successful in life at your divine destiny, at your divine calling. So stop dabbling in this and trying that and doing the other thing. Find out what God created you to do and do that exclusively with all your heart. You'll miss out if you don't know what God has promised you. So figure out what God has promised you. Study the Word of God. You'll get all kinds of promises there. Nothing is better than the nearness of God in our lives. His presence is of utmost importance. You you saw all those benefits that I told you about. And lastly, before you worry about what to do in life, start working on how to be. And I would say that to teenagers especially. Stop worrying about what you're going to be when you grow up. And learn how to be in life, because that's going to serve you a lot better than having this clear path of what to do and what not to do. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you brought us here this morning, God. This was a somewhat of a tough message, Lord God. It may have shaken us up a little bit. It may have confronted us. It may have stepped on our, stepped on our toes. But, Lord God, I'm finding more and more that that's the reality of God. Lord, you are God Almighty. You're not to be trifled with. You're not to be argued with. Lord Jesus, you're a holy God. You're a mighty God. Thankfully, you're a loving God and a God full of grace and mercy. But you are God all the same. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, you're the line of the tribe of Judah. You're the Holy One of Israel Lord Jesus, and we, your people, are to simply listen to you and obey you and love you back because you've been so good to us, Lord God. I pray that people everywhere would begin to realize who you are, Lord God, the holiness and separateness of God. Lord Jesus, you are... Lord, you're high and lifted up. Lord, you're, you, you, you live in lofty places, the Bible says, but you also live with a contrite in heart, the humble in heart, the broken in heart, Lord Jesus. God, you made it very clear to us in your word through this example of Joshua, how we can stop failing and we can start living a powerful life, a blessed life, Lord Jesus, in you. A prosperous life. Lord, I pray that we, your people, instead of spending our time trying to figure out in a worldly sense what we're to do, that we would start listening to you and have you direct us through your presence, Lord God, through your goodness in our life, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father.